This program is part of Film Geek Radio. Visit filmgeekradio.com for more great shows. This is Agents of Shield Cast, your source for the best analysis of the ABC television series Agents of Shield. With your host, Agent Andrew Johnson. If they can bring back Clark Gregg, maybe they can bring back Ed Norton. That'd be weird. Agent Bibbs Bibiani. I got all my ideas from Mr. Belvedere. Come on. Agent Gwen Reyes. Anybody that's not a huge Joss Whedon fan just really needs to pack up their whole life and move to another continent. And Agent Rod Morrow. I feel like someone just ran into your room and gave you a wedgie and then ran back out. They are the Strategic Homeland Intervention, Enforcement, and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team, a.k.a. The Shield Cast. Agents Assemble. This is episode number two of the Agents of Shield Cast. This is Film Geek Radio's weekly podcast devoted exclusively to discussion and analysis of the ABC television series Marvel's Agents of Shield. I am Agent Andrew Johnson, and I'm joined by my fellow members of the Strategic Homeland Intervention Enforcement and Logistics Division Critical Analysis Strike Team. First up, she is a member of the Television Critics Association and a writer for RealVixen.com, Agent Gwen Reyes. Welcome back. Thank you, guys. Super excited to be here. Also, he is an all-around comics enthusiast and the founder of the Black Guy Who Tips podcast network, Agent Rod Morrow. Yo, what's going on, guys? Unfortunately, Agent William Bibbs Bibiani could not join us today, but he should be back on the show next week. If this is your first time listening to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, you should know that some of us know a lot about comics, and some of us are only familiar with the Marvel Universe through the movies and the TV series. So if you're not a nerd, don't worry. This should all be fairly understandable and perhaps educational as well. Uh, as always, you can email the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com, and you can access all of our episodes by subscribing to us on iTunes. If you like the show, please leave us a review. That would really help us out a lot. And that goes double for the people listening live in the chat room right now. If you tuned in to our pilot episode and and you enjoyed the podcast, please let us know by writing us an iTunes review. And uh, if you leave us a really good review, we will make you an honorary member of the Shieldcast, and you will get a shout-out on the show. This show is being recorded live at Spreecast.com to receive updates on when we'll be recording live. You can search for Agents of Shieldcast with all the periods in there and uh, sign up to be alerted for whenever we do a live recording. You can also follow film underscore geek underscore radio on Twitter or uh, any of us on Twitter for information on when we will be recording live, and uh, we'll give out those handles at the end of the show. All right, today we are going to be discussing Season 1, Episode 2 of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. It is an episode entitled 084. It was uh, written by Jed Whedon, Marissa Tancheron, and uh, Jeffrey Bell. Um, and it was directed by David Strayton. Rod, would you mind giving our listeners a brief synopsis, a brief reminder of what happened on this episode? Well, they got an 084 at the end of last episode, and for people that have been following the show, you know that an 084 means that they don't know what it means. So they flew down to the jungles of, like, South America, and they found an artifact in a old, like, ancient pyramid that apparently um, had was so powerful. It was some type of energy weapon. It was so powerful, it had burned itself into the middle of this uh, structure. The team, being young and green, was easily ambushed. They barely escaped the uh, onto the plane facility. Once they got onto the plane, an old flame of uh, Agent Coulson 
Camilla, she and her group of commandos like took over the plane and uh chaos ensued. That's basically uh the gist of the episode. But it all turned out okay, except for the plane. So Yeah. It wasn't it crazy that they kind of destroyed the plane in the second episode? I was surprised by that. Yeah, I kinda liked it. I was like, wow, they really made a big deal of that plane to blow like basically destroy it a day later. It it kinda reminded me of um some of the Whedon's like stuff with, with Buffy where they would like have sacred places and then just destroy them and you're just like, when is Buffy gonna get a job to fix this house again? You know? <laughs> Yeah, and and they even had an appearance by Nick Fury. Samuel L. Jackson himself showed up at the very, very end to just chew out Coulson for destroying the plane. So that was a nice little cameo. I know, I know, Rod, you've been hoping that they would give us some cameos. So here you go, episode two. Yeah, two for two right now. Yeah, I mean, at this rate, they're going to have to have some big star show up in in every single episode. Someone from the movie. Otherwise, fans are going to be disappointed and be like, what happened? Come on. I want to wait till like episode six when it's like the extra from Thor (laughs) (laughs) or Thor's hammer. Right. Yeah. It'll just be the hammer. Yeah. It's going to be like the guy whose trailer he stopped by one time. Well, Gwen, what were your overall thoughts on this episode? Did you think that this was a good follow up to the pilot? Did you think this was an improvement at all? I enjoyed this this one a lot more. It had a lot more going on. It was also a little bit of a simpler story, and it seemed to kind of show them needing to figure out how to work as a team together. I really liked the scene between Ward and Sky as as they were having the drink and then figuring out that the thugs behind them were also kind of up to no good. So I really kind of enjoyed watching them do a little bit more team bonding. So I'm excited for that. I also just liked the flow. I thought it went really, really quickly. Whereas last week's episode, I thought kind of dragged a little bit just because it was kind of trying to introduce so much. And this kind of just like got into the meat of the whole thing and then also getting to have a lot more fighting scenes. And I also really loved May getting to kind of show a little bit more of her backstory of, you know, being the Calvary and and, uh, not really wanting to identify with that more violent part of her background. But also she's bringing all these skills there, too. And Fitz and Simmons are still remaining to be probably my two favorite characters on the show. Rod, what did you think of this episode overall? Um, I enjoyed it. I thought the pace was really fast. The first one, you know, had a lot more acting in it with, uh, <laughs> with my man Gunn from uh, Angel, Never Forget. <laughs> I thought that uh, this one gave people, everyone in the cast got a little bit more screen time and a little bit more chance to interact with each other, which was kind of good because I do want to get to know these people. I think it was Bibbs who said last week that the first six episodes are kind of like the pilot for a series so i did feel like i got some more background on characters i enjoyed the rapport with colson and i liked the fact that all the trepidation they had in the first episode about the issues in the team all kind of came up in this episode too where it's like you guys don't have any combat experience i don't even really want to be on this team and uh i can't trust you who the fuck are you and like i really enjoyed like all those kind of just continuing to grow into uh you know issues that they're gonna either address or you know will be taken advantage of by other people and uh special effects wise man they still use some cool technology there's uh some type of uh pyramid you can put on a car that allows you to start it that looks pretty cool um, <laughs> there was some type of uh stick you spike in the ground and it sends out like a force field that 
shoots people like he like just knocks everyone back as long as you yeah i think it was a stun gun right like a stun ray it looks like it was sort of based on loki's scepter Mm -hmm. that he had in the avengers or something like that some sort of strange tech alien or asgardian technology it was the same effect you know what i mean i don't know if it's like if they ripped it off from if shield just stole it but same effect oh and then of course the tesseract mcguffin artifact thing they found that could just shoot energy beams that burn straight up through everything. So um I, I was a big fan of uh, all that tech. And come on, man, we got some fury being aggravated in black. <laughs> I was a fan of that. Don't talk to me about the authority. <laughs> mm-hmm. Don't talk to me about some authority. <laughs> Ham it up, Sam Jackson. So I, I was there for all of that. I agree overall with you guys. I, I'm still kind of lukewarm on the series. But it, it's starting to grow on me. I definitely think that this episode flowed a lot better than the pilot. It wasn't quite as clunky. They weren't trying to cram in so much information at once. At the same time, this is nothing we haven't seen before. This is the standard people fighting that gradually come together in our team that work effectively by the end of the episode. So it's pretty standard stuff. I do think that it was handled well overall though and um i i was i was kind of surprised that that was what was happening in the second episode i thought that we might have a few episodes of them fighting with each other or or having some conflict before they really learn to to come together as a team so are are we supposed to believe now that because they've uh, gotten together and stopped these Peruvian military people from stealing this hydro technology that now they're a perfect team and they can do whatever they need to do? Or do you think that they're still going to fight some more in future episodes? I think they're still going to fight. I think there's definitely room and potential for that. I think it's just kind of like, I really like the inner struggle that Ward's having with him being this trained person who's only worked by himself. And I think that that's going to be coming. I think that's going to continue to come up throughout episodes. I don't think that they're just going to like be like, everything's hunky dory now. But I, but I do kind of agree though. I do feel, feel like it kind of moved a little bit fast, but maybe that's so that they can kind of get that on the side and move on with different storytelling. I also don't think that they're like a team yet because they ended with Sky getting that message that was like, Hey, are you still down for the, uh, rising tide? And, she sends back like, yeah, I'm in. The Rising Tide was like this underground organization that she was using to expose S.H.I.E.L.D. and all of their secrets. And like, you know, there's this big government conspiracy. And at the end, Nick Fury even mentions that, like, you know, you can't trust her and uh, she's a risk. And Coulson's like, yeah, I know. So, you know, I I feel like that's definitely going to get set up for something that's going to cause a rift in the team. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely see where it goes. I, I think the main problem I have with the show right now is that for for all of the things it's doing well, for all of the good witty banter, for all of the uh, the good flashy visuals, it still hasn't quite sold me on the characters, and that's really important. I still feel like in this second episode, they're just having the team be the protagonist. Mm-hmm. Doesn't feel like it, this is a show about individuals. It feels like it's a show about a team. And the pilot episode was the team being recruited, and now we're seeing the team in action. But that's not quite enough for me. I, I, I want to know more about these people as individuals. So I'm hoping in the future we'll start to see episodes maybe focused solely 
on a particular character, solely on Ward or solely on Sky, and, and, and start having some of these characters really anchor each episode instead of having to spread it out so much between everybody. I could definitely see that happening, and uh, I would welcome that, too. Maybe they're trying to get more of a feel for the dynamic of the team so that it matters a little more. Like, someone said last week on the show, like, they could have done almost six solo episodes before bringing a team together in, like, say, episode seven of the season, and then you have more of a background of each person. But um, it made me wonder, after the show, if maybe they're going kind of the opposite, where you have this team, you kind of get used to them being a team, and then eventually it's kind of like, oh, and check out this person's background story now that you, like, kind of know them. Here's what their life is like outside of just this team dynamic. And that could work, too. But, yeah, I think it has to happen at some point that we start getting into uh, some individual people's lives, and we get to find out if these actors can hold their own, like, major story arcs, you know, for basically a 60-minute show. Yeah. And I'm I'm actually really curious too because I I really enjoy Clark Gregg, but I'm finding his performance to be kind of over the top might not be the right word, but a little hard to connect to in this version. Um, and I and I keep wondering if it's possible for for Agent Coulson to carry an entire show, like to have his own episode, because he's almost kind of obnoxious. And I really hate that because he's one of my favorite characters, maybe because he's so good as like a side character in the films. But to take a side character in a film and to turn him into a lead, it seems a little kind of cartoony in a way. I'm a specialist. Today, I could have eliminated the enemy threat myself if I was working alone, but I had non-combat whoa, ready whoa, agents. Wait, you work alone. So typical. Who yeah. do you think designed your equipment? Oh, the polymers uh, for your weaponry. Yeah, what, try People going like in with just your bad bomb? See them proving the point I just made. You're not wrong. We still need to iron out the kinks. But Ward, you can speak six languages. Simmons, you have two PhDs in fields I can't pronounce. And Fitz, you are a rocket scientist. So work it out. I'm, I'm good at stuff too. I had the same thought last night because I was wondering if he has the acting range to do everything from angry to approving you know what i mean like yeah even when he's kind of angry with the team like when he has that moment where he's like you're actually a rocket science and you do this and it still kind of came across like he's not really mad he's a little bit maybe peeved at best annoyed or something but you know it does make you wonder if he has that range that will like be mm. able to carry for lack of a better comparison kind of like uh nick fury in all the avengers movies and spinoff movies where Sam jackson isn't just always angry dude sometimes he's snarky sometimes he's funny sometimes he's relaxed sometimes he's commanding and sometimes he's just downright indignant and stuff like that and it does take that kind of range when dealing with all these different personalities to kind of give you like a sense as an audience uh how to take these characters yeah i'm, I'm gonna disagree with you both a little bit when it comes to colson i'm still enjoying clark craig's performance and i think that he does have a lot of range as an actor the problem is the script right now isn't giving him a lot yeah. to work with. Right now we're only seeing certain sides of, of Coulson, and we've only been allowed to look at certain sides of him through the movies as well. I mean, above all, he's a calm, collected leader, which is why I don't think you see him getting mad at people when they're shouting at each other and screwing up. I think he's the kind of character that understands if I start shouting at people, that's not going to solve mm -hmm. anything. 
I like him as a character because he's so incredibly optimistic. He, it's almost naive. He, he's just, he just believes fullheartedly, you know, whether it's in the, in the Avengers movie or now here in S.H.I.E.L.D., these people can come together. They can make it work. They can function as a team. And it's almost by sheer will and encouragement that he makes it happen. And I like that about his character. And I also liked how in this episode we started to see a, a little bit of some different shades to him. Uh, we found out that he is quite the ladies' man. <laughs> He's such a quiet Lothario. Yes. I mean, he has some history with Camilla. We um, got the impression in the pilot that maybe he had something with his uh, masseuse in that magical place. And never forget the, ch- the celloist. Yes, and the celloist. So clearly, Clark Gregg can be quite the charmer. As the resident lady, I agree. <laughs> I, I like seeing that side of him. I like how we're, we're starting to see different parts of his personality because I certainly didn't get that impression from watching him in, in the Marvel movies, I just, you, you know, when you see him in those films, you just come away thinking, oh, he's just, he's just very professional, very rigid, very, just all about the job, probably doesn't have much time for the ladies, but no, actually he does. Yeah, I mean, I guess I'm looking down, like, towards the future and just wondering, like, what they'll give him to do then, because, like, you know, I would like to see angry Clark Gregg at some point, I would like to see sad Clark Gregg when it's world is spun in a you know uh, on his head and he finds out he's an lmd or whatever like i want to see like you know all of that and uh, hopefully he gets some chances to do it because i can see how um it could get to be one note if he's just optimistic suave leader dude every single episode all the time no matter what's going on right i, I have a feeling they're gonna sort of keep him in this mode for a few episodes or for the majority of the season. And then when they finally do reveal whatever's going on with him and, and what, what people are hiding and what the secret is about why he's still alive, then maybe we're going to start to see a real outburst or we're going to start to see him lose his cool. And I think as a result of following him for so long, just in this one mode, hopefully that's going to come across as, as really exciting and, and, and really just kind of a shock. That's my hope too. Well, and I think that there's this, there was a part at the end when they're all sitting on the ramp of the of the plane and they're having their drinks and everything that his face almost took on this like menacing look when he asked them who whose idea it was to blow a hole into the in the side of the plane, and that was like very interesting because he he looked almost terrifying in that moment, and so I'm interested to see what Coulson's going to be like a little when he gets like really mad, like he goes hulked out or whatever. He's also a good person to bounce things off of, and by which I mean, like, the scene where um, Camilla basically says he's having a midlife crisis, mm-hmm. it just worked so well for me. And he didn't even really have to, anything to do in that scene other than sit there and kind of smile at her. Yeah. But I was just dying inside because I was like, you know, it kind of is. You're hanging out with young people. You got your lola you got your nice car like he just delivers that lola line and i'll just start cracking up it was perfectly timed because it was so funny because i had just been thinking that exact same thought like a few minutes before that going like god it's just another show with a whole bunch of pretty people and only young people and pretty people know how to solve crimes and fix the world and then it like came out of her mouth and i was like thank you writers (laughs) thank you jeff bell Uh, yeah i like that the show seems self-aware because i feel like it'll make for a smarter watch long run if you know what i mean as opposed to just like we're gonna do this cliche and just hope you don't realize you've seen it a thousand times before i kind of like that they're like we know this thing is a cliche and 
hopefully that means at some point they're gonna start flipping these these concepts on on their on their face and we're like oh wow i didn't see that coming yeah i i agree with you and i'm glad you brought up that line about the midlife crisis because they, they they made little references to that in the pilot episode as well. There's a line about how, you know, Lola, she's not new, she's improved. Mm-hmm. And there, there's that idea of what we're doing here isn't new, but we're improving it. And that is, I, I, I don't know a lot about comics, but I get the impression that that is a constant theme throughout comics. Like whenever they reboot a series or whenever they try to expand the universe, you know, it's not new, it's just improved yeah and i i like how they're explicitly calling out like yes we are marvel and we're adding on this tv show we've got these big plans for the movie franchise and 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 for the comics and to tie this all together are we having a midlife crisis hopefully not (laughs) hopefully hopefully they actually understand what they're doing yeah (laughs) yeah i also enjoyed the tie-ins this week they kept that going for another week maybe it'll start to get old for people maybe it's already old for some people but I'm kind of a fan of the way that they're doing it so far. They mentioned uh, Tony Stark uh, earlier in the episode. Uh, They mentioned the last time they had an 084, it was Thor's hammer. Mm -hmm. I thought that was kind of cool. Those kind of little references that go back to the to the movies. I don't know. They really it really does something for me as far as just uh, my, you know, the nerd inside of me. Well, and it makes it so like we don't in case it's an episode like, you know, I I was really surprised that we got a Samuel L. Jackson cameo so quickly in the show. But having those little like Easter eggs for fans of the movies, that just kind of helps when you can't have a cameo from a from one of the characters. And then I mean, that was it was kind of funny because I'm wondering like how next week they're going to be able to top this one. And even though the story wasn't that great, you had so many interesting things happening in it. Yeah, it does kind of. But I guess that's good. That's you know, means you're building momentum if, if each week I'm going like, well, what are you going to do next? So hopefully they can keep that going. And uh, I forgot to mention the artifact that they found, the actual 084, they said was uh, defunct Hydra technology. And that goes back to like Captain America also, because everything goes back to Captain America. I have a question for the two of you. Do you think that this show is going to have mainstream appeal for people that are not really into Marvel because so far for the past two episodes, we've seen constant references to the Marvel universe, to the movies, to uh, Iron Man three. Here we have references to, to Captain America. And there's a part of me that wonders, okay, if there are viewers watching that haven't seen all the movies and aren't quite as up to date with the terminology like Hydra and the gamma and, and what all that means, are they, understanding everything that's happening are they really getting the big picture or are they just sort of lost i'm wondering like are they trying to tailor this show specifically to marvel fanboys who will get every reference Mm. will they end up alienating large portions of the audience as a result i don't know it's interesting because like last week the premiere had 22 million people that tuned in to watch it and Variety posted earlier today that they lost about 30% of their viewers. But but that's normal, Well, I right? mean, no, it's not really. Not that many people. Normally, there's a 10 to 15% drop, not like a 30 to 40% drop. Um, and it was about halfway through. And it could, I mean, and that's the thing is since it was about halfway through the episode, it could be that they might be throwing too much jargon out at people 
that may not have seen the movies or know anything. Because I, like I've said before, I've never read any of the comics and I've only seen the the movies that have come out. And there are some things that have in this episode that kind of went over my head, but it didn't really bother me as much because I guess maybe I can look it up or I could talk to you guys about it or talk to other people or it just wasn't like the Hydra thing. Like it, it was helpful that they explained that that came from Captain America because I couldn't, I didn't remember that. But I don't know if you'd even be watching the show if you weren't at all interested in superheroes or the Marvel films. Well, well, I, I, I'm just wondering if there are casual fans out there who maybe saw the Avengers, since everybody and their mother saw the Avengers, yeah. you know, and who are tuning into the show to see more stuff like that, but aren't catching all the references and aren't as familiar with with the larger universe and how it's all interconnecting. And, I, and I'm just wondering, like, are those people confused? And if so, will they stick around or will they feel like this isn't for me? I'm going to go on a limb and say they will be confused, and a lot of them probably won't stick around, but in 2013, Marvel is mainstream. So it's kind of like this overlap where people are, like a lot of people are going to see the Avengers and all their spinoff movies, and the they're starting to make so much money with these like really niche ideas, considering like where they came from back in the day and, and how much money they used to make. So they still should be able to like galvanize an audience to keep watching the show. I don't know if it'll be as big a crossover type audience because they're not building from the ground up. You know what I mean? So it's not like a lost or heroes where literally everything that has to do with the show, you've seen it because it happened on the show. But at the same time, even when shows like lost or shows like heroes started, started out like that, they started doing stuff like, well, here's a web, here's some webisodes that you can go mm-hmm. look at. Here's a, you know, we got a comic book now. You can read the comic book and find out little details and stuff. So I, I feel like it's kind of like just doing the same thing, but, but the opposite where you have a big swell from all this stuff that you've already done. These millions and millions of dollars of projects that you put out into the world that people have seemed to, uh, been inclined to go out and see. So, you know, they're going to just try the opposite and hopefully uh, that will lead to people that were maybe peripherally uh, interested in, you know, the Marvel Avengers series of movies to be interested in in S.H.I.E.L.D. Well, I I guess I'm just wondering, like, okay, is this show – are we supposed to view Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. as an extension of the movies, as something extra, as peripheral – uh, material that that sort of supports what we've seen in the films or is agents of shield meant to stand as its own thing it concerns me a little bit because even though i've enjoyed all the films i'm not a, a huge marvel fanboy i don't know a whole lot about the comics and if the only thing we're going to be getting week after week is your typical procedural, but with a bunch of shout-outs to Marvel stuff. That's not good enough for me. You know, I need some character development. I need some ideas. You know, I I need something that's going to make this show worth watching without all of those extra references. It has to be able to stand on its own. I kind of agree, because I feel like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. really is a show that's kind of meant to stand on its own. And what I would really like to see from it is a big bad. I'd like to see something that the team is fighting against. Because right now it just feels like they're playing a, like a large game of Pokemon. And they're trying to get as many of the little guys as they can. And I, and I don't really see what the motivation is except for like the idea that there's an impending doom of another alien attack. All the films have their own big bad. I'd like to see the show have its own big bad as well. And maybe that's something that's coming. 
Um, I just thought that maybe that would be introduced pretty quickly. Yeah, I, you know what's funny, man? Um, in all of the like uh, going back to Buffy and Angel and stuff like that, they typically didn't even introduce a big bad until like ten episodes into each season. Yeah, consistently, like even like so a lot of like the later seasons when people were expecting the big bad, they would pull like the switcheroo where it's like Buffy fights Dracula and she kills him. All right, so. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll get to that later. We'll get to who's really the big bad. So yeah. um, I feel like but they're it, still doing a lot of uh, character building or whatever. And I have the same worry and the same hope that you guys have, which is I want to see this connect to the movies. I don't know that it necessarily needs to be dependent upon the movies, but I want it to matter in some sort of way. I don't want it to be like, well, if you never watch S.H.I.E.L.D., don't worry about it, guys. The next Avengers movie it doesn't even, you know, have any relevance to anything that's happening in this other universe of movies. I, I agree with you, Rod. I think you used the right word there. It needs to connect, but it shouldn't be dependent mm-hmm. on the films. It just seems like there were so many little references, both in the pilot and now in this episode. I mean, even the cinematography, you've got uh, the little the camera swirling around the team as they discuss their plan, and it just keeps swirling around them. And I believe that that was a shot... From the Avengers, I think the Avengers did something similar. And I believe Joss Whedon originally did that. Uh, a friend told me that he, he started doing that in, in, I think, the season premiere, the series premiere of Buffy. Maybe the first and last episodes of Buffy had a, had a scene where the characters got together to discuss their plan or whatever, and the camera just swirled around them. Yeah. And while I'm fine with little visual nods like that, I, I don't want it to just be callback to the Avengers after callback to the Avengers. Yeah. It's not excessive to me yet, but I could see it becoming so. But it's not yet. Like I'm, not, I'm, I'm still waiting on them to just start like every other line. It's like just like Loki said, and <laughs> you know, like Tony Stark in that one time when he saved the West Coast. You know, if it's not like it's, it's not going to be totally obsessed with Marvel movies. I don't mind because it still is a Marvel property, and it would be more weird for it to not have references to yeah, Marvel right. stuff than, than for it to have a few too many. Like, as long as they just don't go overboard, I'm completely okay. And it can go the route of, like, when The Office went from being, the you know, they made the Americanized version in the first few episodes – were very very you know they were they were taking pilot and didn't or taking the script and doing the same thing but they were also throwbacks and then eventually they were able to forge and do their own sort of thing and i feel like they have to kind of throw those little easter eggs in there and those references to keep the world the same but eventually they they're going to go and do their own thing i think that's definitely the direction they're going to be heading into didn't kill camilla which is you know they didn't kill uh, J. August Richards character, Mike Peterson. So like, those are the kind of things that I'm looking at, like, okay, maybe they're building some things for themselves to reference too. Yeah. Oh, Mike Peterson's back or, you know, Camilla's later on, she has a role in something else that's integral to the plot. If they were just throwing away characters, I'd be more worried. Like, oh, these guys don't even care. Like, they just want us to be like Marvel commercial coming up at the break and then back to more stuff that doesn't matter. I agree with you both. I'm hoping that this is just symptomatic of the fact that it's the beginning of the series and that this is all just designed to seem familiar to people, to start drawing them in, to grab onto that audience early, and then hopefully in the next couple episodes they're going to start really showing what direction they're going to take the show in as a whole. I want to talk a little bit about just just the the craft of this episode uh, in particular – 
Um, it's one of those episodes, it does that thing where it opens up with a really exciting event and then flashes back mm-hmm. and it builds up to it. And it's the type of episode structure that pre- pretty much every show does at some point. And some shows pull it off well, some shows don't pull it off well. I did not think that this episode really pulled it off well. I feel like the episode might have played better if it just started out straight from 19 hours earlier or wherever, wherever, and we didn't know that there was going to suddenly be a hole in the plane. And I think maybe it would have had more more impact when their plan finally came to fruition if we didn't know it was coming. What did you guys think of that? I agree. Here's why those things work well, or what makes, makes a really good flashback type episode. You need something crazy as fuck to be happening to start the show. And it like it has to be like Colson holding a gun to to like Grant Ward's face and being like, I will kill you right now. And that makes the audience go, what happened? And then you do the flashback to like 19 hours earlier. And you're like, oh, man, what? Like we got to go through 19 hours to get back to why Colson was going to kill his best agent for no like. What could be possibly be the region? And I just don't know that the show's built that up yet. Mm. Like a hole in the side of the plane wasn't like enough for me to be like, oh my God, now like maybe if like an engine was burning or like if a person that was hanging outside of the plane was like someone more, more key to the plot or something like that. But it was like they did the random guy goes flying by the camera like, oh, I just got flown out of the plane. And then they show Colson kind of like hanging on inside. And I'm like, he ain't going to die. <laughs> Not in the second episode. Yeah. So then they skip forward, like they skip back 19 hours and it just, it wasn't enough. Can you guys imagine how incredible it would have been if Colson had died in the opening scene of the second episode, if he had died again? That's not even funny. Don't even joke about it. Well, no, then they could bring him back and reveal how they brought him back, (laughs) you know? (laughs) Oh, my God. I feel like you just spoiled something they're going to do in, like, episode. (laughs) Episode three. That's episode three, Andrew. The mid-season finale, they're going to kill off Coulson again, and everyone's going to freak out. They're just going to keep killing him (laughs) off. Yeah, that would be awesome if they kill him, like, right going into that Christmas break. Everybody's like, well, I guess this show is no point anymore. Well, well, see, that's what I'm saying. Like, if they had done something like that to really just shock everybody and and just make you wonder what is going on then i can understand how that that strategy and that that tactic of starting off in the present and then flashing back might work and you'd be i mean you'd spend the whole episode thinking oh my god what are they going to do how are they going to get out of this and i'm i'm on the edge of my seat it's yeah. kind of too early for this you know what i mean well, like well, yeah 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 and that's the thing like i feel like the show is moving really fast like it's just a lot of things are happening too early in the show for this yeah, character-wise, it's kind of too early because we don't really know anybody yet. And if they die, I don't care. Right, yeah. Like, if they, like, honestly, if they would have just, like, killed off. They'd be like, whoa, whatever, get another team. And also, <laughs> I keep expecting one of the nerd people to die because there's three nerds. So it's, like, way too many nerds for a six-people team. Only three of the people can kind of fight, and one of them's the leader that wears a suit and doesn't, like, doesn't always like to do the fighting. So it seems kind of weird. I want one of, like, I feel like one of them is going to have to have something happen to them, but... If you can't do it with character, because in a later in the series, when you care about people, you could, you know, you could be like, yo, Sky is about to die. And, and that would be something you go, wow, well, let's go back 19 hours to see how this happened. But now that since you haven't built up that kind of a rapport with the audience, I think you need spectacle. And they just didn't have spectacle here. Mm-mm, no. And also, I would just like to point out that 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 weapon was so powerful that it lodged itself into rock. 
how did it not blast its way through a tin when the tin wall of a plane stuck in like another part of the plane but it was it was so stupid (laughs) it really bothered me i was like you just spent the whole time proving that it blasted its way through rock and then the metal of a plane couldn't yeah also i've never been in this situation but i gotta wonder can a raft really seal the hole to the plane? Because I kept having this thought, like, wouldn't it just suck that shit right back out and everybody would die later? Oh, yeah. Everything in this episode is completely ridiculous and over the top. But at the same time, I was willing to go with it because I thought, okay, in the pilot, we had a flying car. I, I didn't really like the fact that we had a flying car, but that's the kind of show that, that this is. This is going to be kind of campy at times, and it's going to be like a comic book. Yeah, I was down, and Sky had to definitely do something to show her worth to the team because that seemed to be her character arc for this episode was like, why are you really here? What do you need? What do you do? You know, because they they had that great scene where uh, Colson comes in and gives everybody a pep talk, and he doesn't say anything to her. Yeah. I do smart stuff, too. And then I was like, well, she's going to have to do something to show that she's valuable to the team. Um, I didn't think it would be opening up a raft. Yeah, I'm still not convinced that she's valuable. All she did is yeah. open up a raft at just the right moment. She read the right instruction guide to when, <laughs> they got the, when they got the plane thing. That's her special talent that she brings to the team. She can read. <laughs> and and I, I'm not sold yet on her as a character. I figured, you know, if they're going to have her be a valuable part of the team, I thought it was going to involve, like, some super hacking or something with the technology. Nope, she's just real good at reading a map. (laughs) I guess so. And and speaking of which, one of the things I liked about the pilot episode that wasn't present here is that, Rod, last episode, you and I, we talked a little bit about how that last speech in the pilot had some really interesting subtext to it regarding race and class. And there was nothing like that in, in this episode. All the dialogue was extremely on the nose at one point colson is talking to sky and he says we're investigating an object of unknown origin kind of like you and i was like really yeah That's just, a, just a little bit on the nose there <laughs> and then later on sky is talking to a uh, ward and she mentioned something about how they both have their own lingo and wards just like yeah we just can't seem to understand each other and I'm like, yes, I get it. That's the yeah. point of the episode. You do not have to just directly lay it out for me. I'm a smart person. I, I get it. It was like, we can understand everything except each other. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was very, very, very on the nose. And I just got to chalk that up to my man, uh, J. August Richards can act, man. <laughs> Bring Gun back. Let's start a campaign, guys. We all want Gun back. Yeah. He needs a job. And also, Joss Whedon worked on the script for the pilot, so maybe that was his contribution, adding some 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 dialogue with a little bit more subtext. It's not quite as heavy-handed. I, I don't know. I, I just, I'm hoping that the dialogue isn't going to be nearly as heavy-handed as it was in this episode. Are you trying to fire Jeff Bell, Andrew? I'm not trying to fire Jeff Bell. I don't even know if he wrote that line. I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm just saying, come on, S.H.I.E.L.D. writers. We're, we're smart. You don't have to just lay it all out for us. Um, and I think Kate in the chat kind of said it, and I wrote it down during the show. There were some good, like, some more of those hints towards, like, other things are going on. You know, like the Tahiti magical thing, and Sky's talking to Coulson, and Coulson is, like, talking about the time he spent in Tahiti after getting stabbed through the chest with the Tesseract uh, thing. And she's like, yeah, I know you keep saying it was magical or, or whatever. So, I mean, they're clearly hidden towards other things. But, yeah, at the service level, 
some of the lines are just very like kind of hokey and uh cliches but um you know i think there's another part where they're talking about his collectibles talking about like the watch and i don't know there there is kind of like a hokiness to it that it does sort of make you hope that it doesn't turn just to corniness at some point mm-hmm. right i mean he, he repeats that same line again you know tahiti it was a magical place which you're the comics expert, Rod, so you'll have to, mm. to elaborate on this, but isn't there certain actual magic in the Marvel Universe? And I, I remember when Iron Man 3 came out a few months ago, a lot of people thought there was going to be actual magic in it because the villain was the Mandarin and apparently he, he's like an actual wizard or mag- magical being or something, and it wasn't in Iron Man 3. So that makes me think, okay, well, maybe they're just going to avoid having magic in the in this version of the marvel universe but he keeps saying it it's tahiti it was a magical place Mm -hmm. so i'm wondering well okay is there going to be magic i would say there's definitely elements of magic to this universe because thor exists in this universe you know and in the thor movie there's like the shit that happens on earth and then there's the magical unicorn rainbow world of you know his his origin well yeah but but even asgard it's not magic and you know but one of the big themes of that movie he even quotes arthur c clark who made the uh, the famous quote that um you know if science and technology is advanced enough it's imperceptible from magic i always got the impression that this strain of marvel movies and this show, to a certain extent, was, you know, if there were really fantastic, magical-seeming things, that they were always going to be explainable to a certain degree by science or by technology. It wasn't just going to be supernatural. Well, as a comic book expert, let me tell you, that is bullshit. It is absolutely, some things are just magic in the universe. Like true love. <laughs> like true love. And like a team that can't, like, communicate with each other, but can still overcome also the obstacles. <laughs> yeah, it's, it, there's, there is magic in the universe because certain shit doesn't even make sense. Why can the hammer of Joiner, Joiner, how you pronounce it, um, how, why can that shit like magically come to his hand when he just extends his hand out and he can only pick it up when he feels worthy? Because he's a superhero. Yeah, but that is magic. You know what I mean? Like that, that, like there's no object in any existence that we have like that. I get the impression that people can be magical. In their abilities sometimes, not necessarily that they can just all just somehow have magical powers, you know, and, and there's usually an origin story for these superheroes. They, they get their powers somehow. I think Thor is the exception as far as I'm aware where he, where he just has them. Right, which is why I'm, I brought up Thor specifically when you asked the okay. question. He is the exception that kind of like makes it well, yeah, if we need to write a device like uh the tesseract in the in the avengers movie that could do pretty much anything it could touch you and all of a sudden you're evil it can freeze people but it's a piece of technology that they're trying to study and understand it's not just magic they weren't able to understand it right they so so it's still magical and like they weren't able to replicate it they weren't able to do and it could do like seven different things i think you're having more of a philosophical debate but it is magic to everyone else you know what i mean if you were a human being living in new york when the fucking aliens attacked you're like the fuck was that we don't have anything (laughs) that can explain that that we understand so it is magic until we can understand it or manipulate it or make it work so I feel like there could definitely be elements of magic. Now, that doesn't mean that they're going to 
write that into uh or whatever happened to colson but it doesn't mean it's off limits either we'll see how they explain some of this stuff with uh what happened to colson what tahiti means i hope that it's not going to be as on the nose as he kept saying the word magic so it was magical <laughs> i like i really hope that that has that that just means something else like you've been brainwashed or something like that. I just had this vision of like Tahiti since, you know, it's Disney now. Like it's just Disney World. It's Epcot. Everybody gets Sorcerer <laughs> Apprentice hats. And it's just really literally magical. It's Disney <laughs> World, guys. The truth of it is it's the ma- most magical place on earth, Disney World. I'm glad we figured that out. I solved the whole show. But yeah, this, you know, and Marvel do, and especially, um, you know, they're still talking about coming out with more films and stuff. Like, Doctor Strange exists in this universe. He does nothing but magic. Well, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, are we suddenly going to go from a very, quote-unquote, scientific approach to magic where it just looks like magic, but actually, if you study it long enough, it's explainable and it's advanced technology? Or are they just going to go from that into, oh, no, it's just magic, period. It's, It's supernatural. You can't explain it. Yeah, I hope not. Like I said earlier, I hope not. But uh, is Marvel? It's not off the table. I've read too much Marvel shit in my life to ever think that its magic cannot be a thorough explanation as they walk away and just put their hands up in the air like, we wrote it. You guys figure it out. <laughs> it, it has happened way too many times with other Marvel properties for me to even consider it not on the table. I hope I hope we don't get it for the record. Cause I hate that explanation of anything. Cause it it no it just leads to more questions, and it'll be like the lost finale or something. <laughs> I would prefer that they stay based in the sort of alien tech type ideas of something does something we can't explain, but it's because it's way more advanced than we can understand. Yeah, if if they actually do get into just pure magic, I'm wondering how mainstream audiences are going to react to that. Yeah, you know, will it turn some people off, or will it bring in new people that are really into Harry Potter and stuff. I don't know. (laughs) Maybe they'll broaden their audience appeal if they do that. Who knows? Wouldn't that be cool to have a Harry Potter crossover? Damn Universal. It's not possible. Was that the book that Sky accused Agent Ward of reading when they were on the plane? She she asked him, was he reading something? And I remember being like, huh, that's funny. They made a joke about that. Well, there, there was a Harry Potter reference in the pilot. Yeah. When Simmons said, you know, I'm not Hermione. Who knows? Maybe we're going to start to see little little nods like that to this idea of actual magic. They seem to be making a lot of fun of it for people that live in a world of shit you can't explain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> magic is bullshit. Anyway, we found this object that is somehow embedded in a 3,000-year-old uh, thing, but it, it claims to be from the future. Anyway. They're just throwing out words that people associate with the comics. Oh, it's just Gamma. Oh, it's Hydra. And somehow that, that just automatically explains it. I was like, oh, is that a person? No, I didn't, I didn't think that, guys. I really didn't think it was a person. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. It was all jokes. You know, I, I want to bring up one thing, though, because I really enjoyed the director of this episode, uh, David Strayton. I wanted to see what you guys thought versus, like, the look of this episode versus the pilot. Because he's got a really nice, extensive back list of stuff that he's worked on. Like, he worked on Hell on Wheels this season. He's done Graceland, which is a really beautiful, stylized show. And I guess something that we should be keeping our eyes on is that the directors of these episodes are are they do they fit well with the rest of the world that they're going to be creating? Or because um, I know like with Breaking Bad and stuff, like the directors of shows are kind of important if they get the gist of the mission statement of the creators. Yeah, 
I, I liked the look of this episode overall, and like I said, I thought the episode felt more consistent and it seemed to flow better than the pilot. I don't think that was just the writing. I think that was also just visually it seemed to flow better. And there's been a lot of back and forth on Twitter, actually, about this week's episode. It seems like you either thought it was the best thing ever made or you just absolutely hated it. And I've heard a lot of people arguing about, like, okay, how good does the show look? Because they're, they're clearly spending a lot of money on the show. I've heard some people say that, you know, maybe it, lo- it looks too expensive. It looks too sleek. And they're just not quite pulling off the effects. And it looks kind of kind of cheesy. I, so far, haven't had a, a major issue with any of that. But h- how do you guys feel just about the effects and the look of the show? You know, it's funny is that I had a huge problem last week with the special effects because I thought that they looked kind of cheap and didn't look like they put a lot of money into knowing what Disney and Marvel can put into it. And it was because it was very heavy with the special effects. Whereas I feel like this week's episode really relied on a lot of practical effects and it kept the environment very contained. So like that scene in front of the the shrine, you know, you see the shrine and obviously it looks it's, it looked honestly like the uh, Disneyland Indiana Jones ride right. that they just kind of like added a little extra CGI to it. But they kept the rest of the fighting and everything very contained and very practical. And I think that that helped make the look really nice. Like it's, and even the plane looked a little bit better this week than it did in the pilot. Um, and I think it's really because they really just didn't focus as much using the CGI. And I, and I hope that that's what they're going to do from now on. Yeah. This is what I was hoping for when I, we talked about it the first week where I was like, I just don't want them to like blow all the budget in episode one and then everything looks terrible from here on out. Mm-hmm. And I'm glad that tech is still in this episode. Because S.H.I.E.L.D. tech in the comic books and everything else is some of the coolest shit about S.H.I.E.L.D. period is the tech. It's like, oh, and that, that is, and it's never like something that's mind blowing. It's just always something that's neat. Like that is way more efficient than how we do things at this moment, you know? So mm-hmm. I kind of enjoyed that and that it wasn't just a bunch of CGI tech stuff going on in this episode. And, uh, it, and then as far as the episode directing, it seemed like a person that got it. Uh, I especially like that after the credit Nick Fury scene, like to me, that was like, Oh, this person gets it. They are a fan of these movies and of Marvel stuff. And they knew that we would all go. Oh, yeah, yeah, it's kind of like the movies that we like, which is why we're watching this, so. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they also, I believe after the pilot episode, there was a little promo that played that was like, be sure to watch through the end of each episode. And at the time, I didn't pay any attention to it. I was like, why? And now I start to see, okay, maybe at the very end of each episode, they're going to have little fun moments like this that aren't really connected to what we just watched, but either allow them to to have a cameo or to just have a little fun or to do something that leads into next week's episode like the end of the pilot episode was hey we have an 084 it'll be interesting to see how how they keep connecting it week after week it's it, it kind of almost like a series of comic books mm-hmm. you know they they want to tease you for, for to keep getting the next issue especially with the whole um rising tide I'm in like thing with Scott Obviously, they're, you know, they're alluding to some more shit is going to pop up mm-hmm. involving her and her trustworthiness. Nick Fury even brings it up to Coulson after chewing him out like, hey, you can't trust that girl. So, you know, they're clearly like they're setting up elements within the show that should keep us watching, but also uh, still giving like a couple name drops to things outside of the show. Right. And, and speaking of Sky. From what I've read from other people's reactions, a lot of people just don't like Sky as a character. Mm-hmm. 
And I'm not sure if there's a legitimate complaint there or if that's just sexism because there's always going to be certain subsets of the viewing population that just don't like certain female characters, I'm sorry to say. But we saw it, we most recently saw it in Breaking Bad, and now, who knows, maybe we're seeing it in S.H.I.E.L.D. I personally don't feel like Sky is any weaker than any of the other characters. I mean, she has her, her, her one backstory, her one potential entry point, which is that she might not fully be on S.H.I.E.L.D.'s side. Yeah, I just don't feel like they're doing anything with her yet. I think that she's new and that they're not really using her to her full effect. And I feel like that's the biggest thing. Like, we're supposed to care about her because she's, like, rebellious and spunky. And, you know, and all the girls that are on the show all have their own little archetype. You know, like Fitz or Simmons, I'm not really sure which one yet, is just, like, the cute little, I'm a cute scientist. Life is so easy for me. And May has her own, like, she's got her own backstory. She's kick-ass, but she keeps her mouth really quiet. She just kind of observes and, and helps guide. She acts kind of like a mother, a motherly figure. And I think that Skye's kind of just, we don't know what she's doing. We're not probably going to know for a little while. Right. None of the characters are particularly nuanced or layered yet at this point. They all seem to have, you know, like Coulson, that one mode that they function in. And that concerns me a little bit. Because Agent Ward and Melinda May are kind of the same mode. They -hmm. just show up to kick ass Mm -hmm. most of the time. And there has to be something else there. Otherwise, Agent Ward is going to feel unnecessary. And I point to him because it seems like everyone loves Melinda May. And she's the fan favorite. And I agree. Well, I would say uh, Melinda May is like the dad. And Agent Ward is like the mom in this relationship. Like, he takes people under his wing. He talks to people. He's giving, like, pep speeches and all this stuff. Like, he kind of does, like, there's, to me, they're starting to separate those two characters already. And then also there's some sexual tension between him and Sky. Is there, though? I mean, there was some little mm-hmm. flirtation in the pilot, but I don't know. I'm, I personally, I do not want to see those two characters together. I hope that, I hope that's not where this... Uh, show is leading just remember where you heard it first (laughs) (laughs) i think it was there but i don't want it to be there yeah well you know what's funny though about sky is i wouldn't call it outright sexism yet i mean although i am angry she does have a boobs and vagina (laughs) why is she on my show uh and it's very close and and she's like one syllable away from sky learner so i mean oh my god not but no seriously she um She's a character that is untrustworthy and has not really proven herself to have any use. And she's the third tech person on a well, on a team that already has, you know, two like tech people. tech people. So they're going to have to do something with this character to distance her from the other two people. Whereas uh, it can't just be about her tech savviness or her whatever. It's it is going to have to be like she's some type of secret agent. She's some type of badass. She's some type of something that would make sense in why she's involved in this. Because right now, I don't think that, at least for most people, they hate her because she's a female that says no, quote unquote. I really think they just feel like, what? why are you here? Yeah. Well, well I kind of feel that about all the characters at this point. Because all of the characters seem, with the exception of Coulson, very one note. For the most part. And so I, I, I'm just wondering, like, okay, why are you picking on Sky out of all the characters? You know what else is one note? A hammer is one note. A screwdriver is one note. A saw is one note. But I need all of them in my toolbox because they do different shit. That's the only thing uh, about Sky's character I think that hurts her is because they already do have this 
tech overlap where I remember in the first episode being like, why do they need two tech people? You know what I mean? And then it goes sky and it's like, why do you need three tech people? I mean, Colson's saying she's important, but why? You know, I can understand why in a world of espionage and fighting, you need two badass agents to fight. That make you know, you if they had 37 people that beat people up, I'd be like, that makes sense. That seems like something S.H.I.E.L.D. would need to do all the time. But, like, it does seem like this overlap of just, like, why are they bringing this girl in? She can't be trusted. She tried to take him down, and now she's already kind of leaning towards doing something now. I just feel like I need more from all the characters beyond just a function. You know, I don't want it just to be Melinda May is the combat person along with Agent Ward, and Fitz and Simmons are the tech people, and Clark Gregg is the diplomatic leader. I, I need more than just what function they serve. Well, that takes time, though. I know that takes time, but but you can. I, I still think they need to start laying the groundwork here to start defining these people as individuals. And we touched on this a little bit earlier in the episode. Um, I mean, I mean, there's a snarky side of me that wants to say, well, hey, maybe the reason you worked so effectively at the end there as a team is that you're all equally bland, and so you were able to come together. Make sure you fight that snarky side, then. I'm trying, and like I said, I I liked the episode overall, and I'm I'm definitely going to stick with the show, but. Maybe, Andrew, what you need is for them all to go to the same high school and they can like have different roles in the social hierarchy of that. And that'll lead to more like more of an interaction. Yeah, I'm, I'm just saying characters are what are going to make or break the show for me. And so far, I, I'm not sold on the characters. I think in general, they're kind of a bland cast, but it is very early. So hopefully they, that 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 changes up a bit. Yeah. Is, is there anything else that you really wanted to touch on regarding this episode rod um let me think for a second let me look at my notes oh i do want to give a, a quick little shout out camilla reyes um colson's love interest or past love interest in this episode was played by leonore varela who i found out was one of the people that played marta on arrested development she was the original marta mm. so if you're there are any arrested development fans out there that was marta Ladies and gentlemen, this is what happened to her. She went, she went to Peru and uh, became involved in the military and decided to go kick ass. <laughs> yeah, I didn't know she was in Blade, too, also. So, yeah, there's some tie back to some more Marvel property. But, uh, yeah, I, I think the only things that we didn't already bring up, um, I want to know what's going to go on with, uh, is it Fitz or Simmons? Whichever one of the nerd people it is that uh, has the drones. I like the idea that they can do more than just drone. Like, that one drone was able to start the uh 084 object by itself i hope that they they give the drones more like more stuff to do and more powers because i I kept thinking like why don't the drones have any offensive powers and then bam you know so uh that would be cool i I think those could be really useful i want to see if they're gonna address like actually training the nerd people to fight in combat situations because they're not gonna add people to the team uh they're gonna definitely need to do that and i think uh, Ward said that he would take Sky under his wing. She can't be trusted. So, you know, like, is he going to be training his competition or are we going to find out that he's training her and maybe they'll bond through that? Maybe they'll do some uh, close quarters combat, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, you, you know, next episode, there's going to be some scene where they're doing hand to hand combat and then he pins her to the ground and there's all this sexual tension in this moment. Where, where they're getting up close and personal. I really don't want to see that. I was really disappointed 
by the moment when he decided to to sign on to be like her trainer and her her mentor. I really wanted to see Melinda May be the one to train Sky. If if anyone's gonna train Sky, I want to see another woman do it. I want to see her just sort of lay out how it is. She's I mean she's clearly the most capable anyway. I think she could beat up Agent Ward no problem. I do too. She's the cavalry. Yeah. So I I really wanted to see her train Sky, and I'm I'm kind of disappointed that we might not get that. I gotta ask both of you guys. Why don't y'all want to see um, the uh, Ward and Sky bump uglies? Why are y'all so against this? Because there's nothing to their characters. They're just boring characters so far. They're just boring, bland, pretty people. Maybe that'll make them not as boring, like that dynamic. No. Add some type of relationship in there, and now it's like, okay, these guys got something. Because, like, that's the thing. You can't – I don't know. You can, I guess, but – how can you want character development but then not want them to make mistakes? I want new character development that doesn't seem like it's just designed to go through the motions or, or bring in a bigger audience that wants to see them hook up. We've seen so many movies and TV shows where two attractive people hook up just because they're attractive and that's apparently what attractive people do. And I'm just, I'm just tired of that. You know, I want there to be something else there. Pretty people have sex. It's their superpower. Yes, but I don't necessarily want to follow that storyline and you know every single time. But it will think about see y'all guys are just thinking about the the oh they'll be in a relationship, but it will be good because there'll be fallout when she betrays them. That's gonna be like oh not only did you betray my trust in as far as a teammate, but also my heart. Like it'll be good for the show. Like it just seems. We know it seems like a bad idea because it is a bad idea, but bad ideas make good drama. No, they don't. The very fact that you were able to say that and say exactly what function it would serve makes me skeptical because I want the writers to do something fresh that I can't predict. Well, you enjoyed this episode, right? Overall, but right. but as I said at the beginning, it was nothing new, and I, I'm I'm still waiting for the for the show to establish its characters and really show me that it can stand on its own and have its own identity as opposed to just feeling like every other procedural. But sometimes what makes a trope good is the actual execution of it. So, because no idea is original. There's nothing new under the sun. Everything has been done before. It's just how well can you do it and how well can you mix it in with the other elements. I could definitely see something between them making this show better. I kind of have to agree. Because uh, I was kind of like, I'm just so bored with Ward already. I mean, bored and Ward already rhyme, so th- we have that. <laughs> but I kind of really enjoy the idea of maybe if there is some sort of, re- not relationship, but maybe like they fall or he begins to trust her a lot and then she betrays him. And maybe that's going to be the interesting thing because right now Skye's not doing much and it has nothing to do with her gender or anything. It's really just that we don't know what her role is yet. And I don't, and I kind of feel the same way about Ward though. Like I'm way more interested in May. I'm way more interested in Coulson. I'm just not there yet with Ward and, and Sky, and it might just be because there's they haven't really shown us much to do with them. I mean, if, if you're going to have a relationship on the show, do something interesting. Do like Melinda May and Agent Ward. But see, I keep hoping Coulson and May are going to have something. I'd be fine with that. You know, me personally, I hope like Melinda May and Sky get together. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Some lady loving. I mean, I like to challenge the boundaries and the borders at the same time, the borderies. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I would totally be up for that. That would be new. That that would be interesting. That would be something that I would not expect an 8 o'clock show on ABC to do. 
And that was something I was going to bring up earlier when we were talking about like the intro, like how I don't think they could ever really do something very, very scandalous at the beginning, like as a cold open for the show, just because of their time, their time slot being an eight o'clock show. It's, it's still family hour. So they still have to kind of play within the parameters of a family show. See that, that is what scares me where if you have a show that in order to appeal to a wider demographic or to families, if, if that's going to prevent it from taking certain creative risks, then I'm concerned. Be- well, the show, I mean, the, the the movies were all like PG, PG-13. They're all comic book movies. I think it's the same kind of audience. I just think that it's not, it's broadcast television and they have standards and practices that they have to abide by. Yeah, I'm going to reject the idea that it'll like hurt creativity only because I'm pretty sure Buffy didn't come on at 10 o'clock at night. It was a seven o'clock show. You're right. It was. And they did some psycho shit in there. Spike almost raped Buffy one episode. I was like, this was on TV at some point. Like everyone was okay with this. I found out later everyone was not okay with that. And that's still a big uh, subject of debate on many message boards. Well, then we also got to see Angel's butt in an episode, too. These are things that have affected my childhood. All those glorious vampire cakes. How do you get so tan if you can't go in the sun? I can't wait to see that side of Coulson. (laughs) His sunny side. (laughs) They need to make some mistakes, guys. That's what will make the show character development better is it characters really get better when they fuck up, not when they do good things. Because that's kind of like why they're kind of bland as is right now. Because everyone's kind of doing good stuff. Yeah, they overcome all the odds. They do communicate when they need to. Even when they're like like messing up in the beginning, it's not even that they're messing. It's like, you guys don't know how to fight. We just realized that, you know, I need there to be some legit like, do not put me on a mission with this guy because I'll rip his throat out. And it's like, well, guess what? You're going on a mission together. It's like, ooh, that's going to be good. The last thing I want to say about this episode is that I think one of the main things I'm still waiting for, other than for them to, to start fleshing out the characters more, is I, I'm still waiting for them to establish some clear stakes either in the form of a big bad or or some overarching plot. I want to know what the stakes are going to be for this team, and they haven't quite established that yet. And and also, I thought it was interesting in this episode that they go to Peru, and it gets into this political conflict between the Peruvian government and these rebels, and Coulson at one point says that borders kind of don't matter anymore now that Mm -hmm. aliens have invaded Instead of now we're just Earth and we're separated into all of our different countries, now it's kind of just, it's it's us humans, or it's Earth versus everyone else. Guys, it's Pacific Rim. Yeah, yes. <laughs> that was awesome. We're all in this together. And I think it'll be interesting if the show starts to explore the political side of an alien invasion and superheroes a little bit more. Well, and I think that that's kind of what Rising Tide is all about. I think that's there. That's going to be the link constantly. Is that you know she and she brought up a point about that is like or Sky brought up a point about that, that that there's all this other stuff going on and it's not just what's happening on our little country. So I think that that's going to be a big thing that she's going to really be spearheading and maybe it is going to be her ability to communicate and mobilize the hackers and other uh, cyber activists. I hope so. Like, I haven't read a lot of Superman comics, but I know that one of the more interesting sides of Superman is, and one of the more interesting elements of that character is when they start to explore, like, is Superman American, you know, and what right. does it mean to be American? What is it, If you're a superhero, are you bound in allegiance to any one country or, or, or not? And 
I think it's going to be interesting if the show explores further issues like that. Like in in the grand scheme of things, how are superheroes affecting governments and how governments uh, cooperate with each other? How is Shield uh, affecting things? I, I mean, doesn't Shield report to a larger world organization? Yeah, they do. They showed it movie uh when they when remember when everybody wanted to drop the nuke on manhattan right i, I can't remember the name of, of that group off the top of my head i think it'll be interesting if the show gives some more details about that and what exactly is happening politically in the marvel universe i did forget one more thing um that i did think they dropped the ball on and it's a small detail but i think it would have made it even more cool if camilla and her commandos would have been in cahoots with those rebels that chased them onto the plane and that would have been part of the plan because they kind of made it seem like it wasn't part of the plan but clearly in order for her to steal this thing she had to be like we need to get on this plane at some point i was like so the rebels just happened to show up like that is a very very coincidental plan like that's some flimsy plan work uh, to steal the uh object if that's what you're well maybe the rebels will show up and chase us onto the plane and then we'll take the object. So I, I was kind of hoping they would be like, oh, those are her men, too. And they just fooled Coulson completely and all this stuff. I don't know. Maybe they would have just taken it from him. Maybe they were waiting for a reason to pull it out of the wall. Because they knew they said, I mean, Camilla said that she knew that it was there and that they had been they had commissioned it and everything. So it's possible that if the rebels hadn't shown up, that they would have just like tricked him in a different way. Yeah, well, that was the thing. Like, cause she said, well, we, I knew I was gonna take it when I saw your team, but I was hoping that, you know, it was gonna be like, we couldn't get it out the wall and I needed somebody to blah, blah, blah. And that's why I'm like, I'm so smart. I'm such a badass villain that uh, I played you from the beginning. Like, that's all that, that reveal always makes a character way more of a badass to me when they're like, Oh no, motherfucker! I've been planning this shit for weeks, not just two minutes ago. <laughs> I, I don't think I would have liked that very much. I don't know. That just feels a little bit too unbelievable to me that they would have realized, oh, Shield is going to come right at this point, and we need to make sure we have everything in play to to take it back from Shield. I got the impression that maybe because you, you know there's that big explosion that kicks off that action scene that leads them to the plane. And before that explosion, she's just walking with Coulson and they're talking in private. Mm-hmm. And now looking back, I'm wondering, was her original plan just to kind of take him off into the woods and kill him? Mm. And then all they'd have to deal with is his team, you know, and they could just take it from there. I, I don't know. Overall, I didn't have too many problems with, with the plan just because I've seen so many plots like this before. It just, it just seemed like, of course, this is what they're going to do. Yeah, I wouldn't call it a problem necessarily, but I would have thought that would have just given me one of those ooh moments. Like, you know, especially since they didn't kill her. It would be like, ooh, this is a dangerous person. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. And I keep wondering if they're going to start killing anybody off. Yeah. I mean, they killed off some of some of Camilla's military guys. Yeah. And that's the thing is, like, I noticed that it doesn't really shy away from the violence at all and the, and the gun use. The show is, like, definitely very gun happy. But it's interesting that they're not killing off whoever the main villain is each episode. But we don't know. Maybe next week. Maybe that'll be the thing. And it doesn't hurt because the bad guys have not had a lot of gun training, apparently. (laughs) Yeah. They're just really good at not drinking. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's another good point. Like, okay, if you're really good at your job, you should be able to drink and still get it done. Especially if you're, like, Peruvian. I imagine drinkers. (laughs) They've got to have it in their system. You would think they would at least, like, be able to hit a plane with bullets. But uh, they weren't even good at that. No, they were not good at what they were doing. Even the rebel, I was expecting them to just yell out Cobra at some point and explain mm-hmm. why they were so bad. 
All right. Well, um, let, let's start wrapping things up. If you're talking to us now live in the chat room and you have questions for us or other things you want us to discuss, uh, send the questions to us in the chat room and, and we'll get to them. Rod, what are some of your closing overall thoughts on this episode? Uh, I enjoyed it still, you know, withholding kind of my really scathing analysis for it because I think it does need to grow legs before I can say it didn't do something. Like, it almost feels weird to talk about the show for longer than the show was and two episodes <laughs> in. But, you know, I, I just enjoy talking about it with you guys so much. But in general, I, I'm still kind of giving them a lot of passes until we see what happens. Gwen, what are your closing thoughts on this episode? Um, I kind of have to agree with Rod on that. Like, I, you know, it's kind of hard to really rate the show. This this show, it's it definitely felt a lot, to me, it felt different than the pilot, just because I felt like this was a lot tighter of an episode. It didn't introduce too much, throw stuff into the audience. But I also am really excited about the directors that are coming up for the rest of the season. I think we're going to really see a good stylistic look from the show. And that, to me, at the end of the day, if it's, a, it's an action-based show about superheroes or finding superheroes, I want to see some really good look to this i want it to be a really nice quality and i think that that's something that these this episode really proved i agree with you both overall i'm still giving a lot of things a pass just because it is so early in the show and i, and I understand that yes for the for the first few episodes we're probably going to just have this procedural uh adventure of the week type thing going on but even within that I, my main thing is that I just hope they start building these characters more. I hope they start really diving into who these people are as individuals. And if they can do that and make it interesting, then I'll pretty much be on board for whatever they decide to do. But until I care about the characters, it's difficult for me to care about other things that are happening in the show. All right. Are there any questions in the chat room? Any, any other things that people would like us to talk about? We have one question from L Brothers Media. He says, what did you all expect the show to be when you first heard about it? And how has it lived up to or not lived up to that expectation to this point? Oh, that's a tough question to ask on episode two. Yeah, I, I had no expectations, honestly. I avoided information about the show. I avoided watching most of the trailers. I didn't know a lot about it going into it. I try I tried with everything to keep my expectations pretty low. So I would say overall, it's living it's living up to those expectations <laughs> because <laughs> that's not hard. It hasn't really done anything to just blow me away yet. I kind of wanted it to be uh, like when I went into it, I kind of really wanted it to be just like a nice like supplementary piece of art to go along with the films. And I kind of I'm getting that, and I'm I'm excited about that. And I think that's what's going to keep me coming. Besides getting to chat with you, lovely gentlemen, every week, I'll come back to it because I I am excited to see where to see more of those characters. And I also really like that in both episodes we've had a cameo from one of the films. So because we had Colby Smulders in the first episode, and now we've had Samuel L. Jackson, and so if they keep up with that um, rate, I'm I'm even more on board because I think it's really a nice nod for the audience members that have been a part of it the whole time. Yeah, I agree. I echo both of your sentiments. I would say a little bit better than my expectations because of the cameos, because that was something I was like, it would be nice, but I don't think it'll happen. And we already got two. So I'm I'm like, all right, cool. Let's just keep this up. And uh, I also had low expectations as far as trying not to get my hopes up too far, because, you know, Marvel has broken my heart way too many times for me to be super excited about any Marvel project. But it's Whedon. So it's hard to like back all the way off and not like start thinking of possibilities for these characters already. Yeah, I would agree with that. And just going back to what you said about the uh, the cameo, Rod, am I the only person disappointed that there's not going to be a fish tank on the bus? 
<laughs> yeah. I'm really let down. Now that they brought up that idea, I want the next episode to just, I want there to just be this huge fish tank somewhere in the background. Just empty, an empty fish tank. (laughs) That would be perfect. Like a recession fish tank. I could definitely see that coming back. Oh, that that would be such a nice gag if there was an empty fish tank. Clark Gray's comedic timing cannot be better than this. Delightful. He's wonderful. All right. Well, I think that that will wrap it up for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. Write in and let us know what you thought of the episode and what you think of this podcast. Please, if you're, if you're listening in the chat room or if you're listening at home, go to iTunes and write us a review. That would be a really big help to us. If you've enjoyed hearing us talk about Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., let us know that you liked it. Uh, if you leave us a really good review, we will make you an honorary member of the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. cast, and we will give you a shout-out on the show. We will give you a role on the team, okay? We will hire you, so to speak. We'll have a whole bunch of tech people. Yeah, we'll have a whole bunch of tech people. (laughs) We will shoot you out of the side of an airplane. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. um, You can email us at shieldcast at filmgeekradio.com or comment on the website at filmgeekradio.com. And uh, if you you really like the show and you'd like to financially support us, you can also go to filmgeekradio.com and click the donate button uh, and, and send us a few dollars. That money really helps us out and it goes towards helping us pay for hosting and bandwidth and covering all the other costs that come with producing the show. Uh, you can also use our affiliates page to visit some of our partners, including Amazon and anything that you purchase from our affiliates. If you use our site to get there, uh, we will get a small percentage of whatever you spend. So you can buy something cool for yourself and you can help us out at the same time. Uh, and as always, be sure to check out other great shows on Film Geek Radio, including Cinema Fix, The Thin Place, and uh, we actually have a new weekly podcast all about the third season of Homeland called The Briefing Room. Uh, so be sure to check that out as well. Agent Rod Moore where can people find you online? Uh, just go to theblackouttips.com and just search the Blackout Tips and everything and we should come up. And uh, listen to Andrew, guys. Leave us uh, five-star reviews. Let us know what you think about the show. Start your own podcast, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Cast Cast, where you review us and talk about <laughs> yes. what romantic relationships you think are going to happen, What like how the crew is gelling together. Do we have to be tech people? I don't know if we have anyone that can fight on the team. So make sure you guys go ahead and uh, leave those kind of reviews for us. We appreciate it. Well, you know, I don't think they've really done a good job of clearly defining each member of the S.H.I.E.L.D. cast. And they're just so they're stuck in one mode right now. And it's kind of irritating. Yeah. I want Andrew and Bibbs to date and then it'll end hard. (laughs) Oh, that would be sweet. It'll cause a lot of drama on the show. Yeah. All the drama. All right. Agent Gwen Reyes, where can people find more of you? Um, well, you can uh, find me in my dreams as I dream about Tom Hiddleston because I love all those videos that they put up right before uh, the episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. <laughs> or you can get me at Twitter forward slash Real Vixen as well as realvixen.com and uh, Screen Evasion and redcarpetcrash.com. You can find uh, my film and TV criticism at moviemezzanine.com and on the blog Cinemeditations at patheos.com. You can also find me co-hosting a few other podcasts on Film Geek Radio, including uh, Cinema Fix every week. And you can follow me on Twitter at WriterAndrew. And uh, if you, I hope that you will uh, follow me and that we, will, uh, that we can continue this conversation about Marvel's Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. All right, that'll wrap it up for this episode. Agents, disassemble! This has been a Film Geek Radio production. Film Geek Radio! Yeah!